0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is October 20th, 2016. Before I get started, I want to send a huge shout out to everyone who congratulated us on the announcement of 1,000 subscribers to Tokyo on Fire, and we've also surpassed 100,000 views to our episodes. Thank you very much for watching, for telling your friends about Tokyo on Fire. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Today I'd like to talk about elections that are going on. This isn't quite an election season, but there was an election for governor just this last week. The LDP did not do very well. We've got two more elections coming up on Sunday for House of Representatives seats. Michael, this is bubbling up. It doesn't look so hot for the LDP, does it? It looks pretty bad for the LDP, and I'd like to say thank you to the viewers also
1: for getting us over 1,000 subscribers.
0: That's... Really amazing, thank you. Yeah,
1: but but in terms of this, the this past week's election, the the one on Sunday, in got the governorship. The Niigata prefectural governorship, that is was something that the. LDP and Mr. Abe and the administration pushed hard and they didn't make it. They thought they had a shoe in. They thought they had a shoe in. They had a construction ministry bureaucrat, former construction ministry bureaucrat in a in a prefecture where the construction industry has been traditionally very strong during the time it was the province the area of Kakuei Tanaka who really made the construction state. But he was challenged by an anti-nuclear candidate who had previously been a multiple electoral failure, but in the atmosphere that currently exists, he was able to take that anti-nuclear stance and extend it because he was jointly supported by the Communist Party and the Socialists and the Liberals. This new electoral alliance of opposition is racking up some really serious gains.
0: Let's put this into context for viewers who are not quite familiar with how things are spread out in in Japan. So, Niigata, kind of, people would say, Niigata, who cares? Niigata is two prefectures over, it's closer towards uh, Korea, it's on the Japan seaside of the island. And uh, who cares about Niigata, but really the salient point there is it has the largest nuclear facility in the world, doesn't it? It does. It has the the Kashiwazaki-Kariwa site
1: there, which has seven nuclear reactors. They've all been out of commission because there was a major earthquake in Niigata Prefecture in 2007, which knocked a whole bunch of things out of alignment, knocked over some cranes into the pools. It was a mess. Mm -hmm. Now, they've cleaned that up, but... Because of the anti-nuclear atmosphere that exists, they have been asking, the local officials, local administrations have been asking for an extra level of preparedness. And they're not getting what they want from TEPCO, which is the same company that runs the Fukushima Daiichi site that has been abandoned because of the the nuclear accident there. They are not getting what they want. TEPCO, of course, is not getting the ability to restart the reactors, which would really help its profitability, making it more stable and able to pay for the cleanup at Fukushima Daiichi. And the national government has not been able to get the two sides together. And in this case, the LDP failed to get its candidate elected.
0: Right all of the TEPCO reactors except for two have been shut down and actually they... S- all
1: of the TEPCO reactors. Uh, TEPCO doesn't run any nuclear reactors right now. What are the two that are... The two, the two are run by... Oh, it's Q- a different Q- facility. Yeah, it's Qushu Qushu Electric. electric. Yeah. Right. And also the the, uh, the Ikata one that is that's going to be Shikoku. That, those are... They're different electric companies of right. the, the different EPCOs. Uh, but TEPCO would really like to Get off the coal burning and LNG burning train to the extent that it can. It's, it's cheaper for them. They get a profit out of it. And they have these facilities. They're mm-hmm. already, they, they exist. It, it, they've been in mothballs since 2007. And the, just maintaining them is, a, is an economic loss. Right. So having this extra hurdle, there's not really a way that the governor can actually halt a restart. Uh, as long as they meet the, the standards, but nevertheless, the governor can delay it mm-hmm. and make it less likely to happen by interfering with the most important thing, which is evacuation plans, right. which is the responsibility under Japanese law of the prefectures. Emergency response is prefectural-based, not national-based. Mm-hmm. So that without that cooperation, they don't meet the standards. Restarts, right, and
0: so that's where that political issue becomes a national issue, indeed. Tepco shares lost eight percent on the announcement of the defeat of the LDP. Back they, did, they, they,
1: they cratered, yeah, but they're not worth very much anyway. But and it, they're yeah. in a
0: real bind, aren't they? I mean, what they had initially said was, if we can't get any of these reactors, even one or two of them in Niigata started, uh, you know, w- there's no way that we can uh, survive financially. And
1: then they are, they are definitely having a problem in terms of profitability. Still, this issue of, of whether things are profitable or not has not played well uh, with the public, sure. and it always seems like some kind of accounting game. So it's probably not the way they should be playing it, but the best line of of action would probably be the environmental one in that Japan, because it's burning so many fossil so much in the way of fossil fuels instead of using nuclear power, is nowhere near meeting any of its international obligations. And it, it signed on to the Paris Agreement. It is, of course, very proud of the fact that it was the Kyoto Protocol on, on CO2 emissions, that that it's associated with the second capital mm-hmm. here. You know, the, 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 there's no way they can do it without nuclear power. Nuclear
0: power needs to be part of the mix. At, at the time of the Fukushima um, disaster, it was providing about 20% of Japan's electric 20 needs. to
1: 30, yeah. I right. mean, and that's a big chunk that to replace. Uh, it also makes uh, Japan beholden to certain governments that are not entirely savory. Mm-hmm. And certainly it has made the relationship with Russia, for example, much more... Well, it's tilted in Russia's favor because Russia now supplies a very big amount of the LNG
0: that Japan is burning mm-hmm. simply to run its power plants. So it's somewhat logical to say that Japan needs nuclear energy. These reactors need to be started. The fact that a anti-nuclear governor was elected in Niigata is not a very good sign for this. Being more proactively started, yeah,
1: and then and the LDP is committed to reactor restarts. They're mm-hmm. committed based on their relationship with big business. Big business needs w- it. W- would like would like to have a stable source of electricity at a certain price. Now that's for Niigata. That was this last week. What we have coming up this weekend, right? Are in, three days. These, in three days are the by elections. Now normally it's a done deal. It's easy. We, we have a. Koike San here, the Governor Koike, who moved out of her district to run for the governorship. That district seat is open. Her protege from the LDP, perfect, no problem. She, he'll get win the seat easily. But it's not easy mm-hmm. because Mr. Wakasa
0: was well, a bad boy.
1: He's a bad boy in LDP the LDP member, eyes. Right. He's an LDP member who broke with the party did not support the candidate of the LDP in the governor's race. He
0: Actively, went, campaigned, actively for campaigned for Koike, Koike
1: and has threatened that if he or any other of the candidates of the LDP members who broke ranks and worked for the Koike campaign are in any way disciplined, he will leave the party. Right. Which is bizarre. Mm-hmm. A guy who's campaigning on a party list who is saying I will leave that party if that party tries to apply its rules to me.
0: Well it's hardball politics but you've seen the prime minister actually get on the campaign for Kuiki as well. I mean this happened just this last week. It, they looked like old buddies. Well they are old buddies ideologically. But mm-hmm.
1: this is not good because the 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 track record of the LDP in the local elections recently, recently is not, not been good. good. Yeah. It's not been very good. And that and we have the same kind of ill-discipline and a lack of control in the Fukuoka race, right. where two LDP candidates presented themselves—one from the local LDP chapter and one from the national, a legacy uh, inheritor seat candidate. The two sides could not come to any agreement, and there are no LDP candidates. There are two; in, they are both running as independents mm-hmm. against. Again, the unified opposition candidate, the communists, the socialists, the, uh, the liberals will be supporting the DP's candidate jointly. That's not good politics and it certainly reflects upon Mr. Abe's choice in this sure. cabinet reshuffle and the secretariat reshuffle. He put his own person, mm-hmm. Keiji Furuya, who has really no talent other than being psychophant sycophant to the Abe family. That man is put in charge of elections, and he should have been able to have a single, unified, loyal LDP candidate in these two elections, and he was not able to do it in either case. And that's going to hurt the prime minister if either of these candidates goes down.
0: Right. So if either of them goes down this weekend, we're going to know that answer the prime minister will probably be more likely to reshuffle his cabinet just so that he can clean the shop oh that's the other thing is that the cabinet itself is
1: divided we had that problem in the house of Counselors election as right. you pointed out in a in a previous broadcast where mr asso the finance minister and mr suga the chief cabinet secretary are, were supporting different ldp candidates in right. the case a huge of house, distraction a huge distraction and in this case the two non-LDP candidates in Fukuoka are supported by each by that same split in the cabinet. Now, the the one thing that that has been really really impressive about the Abe administration is its discipline, mm-hmm. its ability to execute, and its unity. We're now starting to see in these local elections. And these these by elections breakdowns in unity, mm-hmm. the inability to coordinate on the local level and the national level, and the sudden breakaway of of telegenic people who are going to go their own way—that's looking like you know decay, and, mm-hmm. and and that's not good going into this possible January election that
0: everyone is talking about, right. which means that it's going to happen. Right. Fukuoka looks like it's going to be really the litmus test because once again we see the opposition parties cobbling some sort of a coalition together so that they can um, fight against the LDP in something that looks like a fair fight. It looks like a fair fight in both cases, both in Fukuoka and in Tokyo.
1: The, the, The unified Opposition candidate is a DP person, so there's no question about being extremist. Mm -hmm. That's one. And they're both quite attractive. Arai-san, who's in uh, the Fukuoka race, is a former MOFA, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, person. Then we have a a former television personality in the uh, Tokyo race running against Wakasa, the LDP candidate who's not loyal to the LDP. It's a really good opportunity for the new administration of Ren Ho right. at, at DP, for her to rack up, it's a, it's a chance to rack up victories that no one expected would be there. And mm-hmm. if that happens, when that Monday rolls around and it's time to to meet again in diet session right. and, and ask some questions of the prime minister, there will be a very distinct change in the, how
0: high she's standing mm-hmm. as compared to here. Right, right. How come the LDP hasn't done very well in the gubernatorial elections? That's a really tough question. It has to do definitely with the nuclear
1: issue. It certainly led to the loss in Kagoshima Prefecture where the Sendai Reactor is online. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that election was definitely affected by this allergy that's developed, and and the allergy is not based upon really a rational assessment. You would think now, okay, they lived for all these decades with these nuclear power plants under much less stringent regulation, under what was basically a cheerleading section for the nuclear industry rather than a regulator. Well, some would call it a bamboozle. It was a bamboozle, right. but now they've they've... Put in all kinds of new safety requirements, new saf- mm-hmm. and many of the old reactors are simply not going to ever make it in terms of being uh, cleared for for react- reactivity. They're just going to be put on put out to pasture because they're not. It's not possible to bring them up to the new codes. Mm-hmm. But the government has not been able to sell that mm-hmm. to say, "Look, we've got a, a new deal. Okay, the bad, the old deal was bad for some reason." When you, they start talking about the past, they, they, they freeze up, and they have to be honest about mm-hmm. the past, or else we're going to have what we have now. We have two reactors online. That's it. Uh, uh, now, of course, the ones at Fukushima Daiichi will never be put back. They, they're all gone, those six reactors. But still, we have over 30 reactors that could be put online, which you know they, they should be, mm-hmm. because they will be up to an even higher level of safety than they were before. And it wasn't bad. It turned out it took a once in a thousand year event to knock these things offline. If they're even better protected now, right. you, the, the, the rational answer would be, okay, and we'll let them operate for the rest of their lifetimes. During that lifetime, there's probably not going to be anything on the scale Of the Great
0: Eastern Earthquake. Before we wrap this episode up Michael, the Prime Minister is enjoying just a little bit of a blip in popularity. Well he's got very good polling numbers
1: in all of the polls and certainly if you compare it to someone like Koizumi, because Mr. Abe has been in in office so long, he's now can only be compared to persons who were in for many many years, the greats Mm -hmm. of Japanese politics. When you look at Koizumi's Popularity at this stage in his prime ministership, it's below Abe's. So, and Abe's has is, is been so stable mm-hmm. and so he's not had any of the ups and downs that any prime minister before him has gone through. Mm-hmm. At least for during this time period when public opinion mattered, uh, that this it, it's really astonishing and it's a testament to his patience and his capacity to time things that he has not pushed any issue even se- right, the recently, security right. in the security legislation there was only a smite a slight drop in cabinet popularity in that mm-hmm. they've been managing the calendar managing their emotions mm-hmm. and not right. giving people something to get
0: absolutely livid about the way that so many prime ministers in the past right. did Well, we'll be talking about some of those things that anger the population. We're going to continue to follow this. These two elections coming up in three days predict for us what's going to be happening before the end of the year. They're very important, so please stay tuned. Welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Constitutional revision is the biggest booger bear that the Japanese are confronting right now in the national parliament. And in this episode, I'd like to address constitutional revision, Michael. Well, maybe we shouldn't. No, never mind. Let's not do that. No, let's not. Well, actually, we'd like to,
1: but, you know. If we do. If we did, what would we discuss? But what would happen if we did start discussing? But, you this? know, whatever you had been discussing before, this is exactly this conversation. This is almost exactly the way it went this week. Mm-hmm. And after all that we've been hearing about constitutional revision, about the importance, the vital importance of having a two thirds majority, right. we've, be- we've predicted it here on this show. Yeah, that it's it, that it's this is so this is so important for saving Japan from whatever it was that was wrong with Japan. Just kidding. That's right. They the, the LDP and Mr. Abe walked back away from their own constitutional draft. They chickened out chickened out, or maybe they were never serious about it in the first place.
0: No, I think they were serious about it. We were just talking in the last episode about the Prime Minister adroitly avoiding those issues of controversy that could upset other elections, gubernatorial elections or elections for the uh, lower house. In its founding document,
1: the LDP in 1955 declared that a primary reason for the parties even existing Mm -hmm. is constitutional revision. Mr. Abe has been talking about constitutional revision from the moment he entered the diet. And for this absolutely blatant political opportunistic, well, let's just open up the conversation and, and we'll just have it on a general level. Mm-hmm. We, when you have that majority for the first time in history in both houses of, of the diet and we're, and spoke to your partisans all these right. years saying, once we get this, we're going to make sure that these things get changed. The, you know, The cynicism of it just blows my mind.
0: Okay, let's just talk about how far they got and what they were planning to talk about. They were going to talk about the 2012 constitutional plan hoisted by the LDP. The LDP, when it was out of power, put out this draft constitution. Excellent draft. They've been working on it for
1: years. Now, of course, and it's it it had all of the ideas that were vital and important and crucial mm-hmm. for them and for the safety of the nation. Right. And these included a limitation of personal rights the inclusion in the constitution of not just rights but national duties, right? The, the,
0: Patriotism, the treatment of the emperor, to
1: to be uh, to behave in such a way as to not cause disorder, mm-hmm. to change the emperor
0: from a symbol to this, of the state to an actual head of state, delicately. Tiptoeing around Article 9, which everybody is so terrified of, but not but stomping on the
1: principle of not having a military by saying that what is now called the SDF, the Self Defense Forces, shall be called let's call the, it something the else. National Defense Army. Okay, that the, the word gun army will come back into the lexicon. Mm-hmm. These issues, uh, and it was there were many, many, many revisions. Some of them are useful. One of them, for, for example finally puts down in the constitution the the prime minister's right to dissolve the diet mm-hmm. that's been a fudge that okay everybody knows that the prime minister has the right to do that but it's not codified right uh, they want to put that in. There, there are lots of things that need to be in the Constitution. The
0: Constitution has been
1: untouched. that has been since untouched. its creation It's, it's, it's been since its creation and it needs some it, it, sure. it needs a little bit of makeup here and there. okay Honestly, it does. but there were so many other things. And the opposition parties he, seeing that there is now the two-thirds majority, they campaigned f- vigorously and furiously saying, if you don't vote for us, they will get this two-thirds majority, and then the constitution will be changed. They they base their cam- their campaigns on this. It wasn't a great and salient I- issue for most of the voters, mm-hmm. and so th- this strategy of stopping the establishment of a two-thirds majority in the House of Counselors failed. Right, it failed. They lost the DP lost seats, not as many as most thought, but still they they lost, and the the ruling coalition and its Like minded parties have that capacity to change the
0: Constitution. Mm I mean, this is what we've been talking about for two years now. Okay, let's talk about the fight last week where it was on the agenda. The LDP, as a controller, as the controlling party, put it on the agenda. It came up, and the fight was about this is the agenda, this is how we're going to discuss it. They put up a big brouhaha, and the LDP basically said, Fine.
1: What there, it means that the the Constitu- there, there's been, there is a committee within the Diet mm-hmm. that discusses constitutional issues. It's been there for decades. It's been on hiatus because of the constitutional runaround that this administration has done with the security legislation. Mm-hmm. That the absolutely, completely, out of the blue appointment of someone an outsider to lead the cabinet legislative bureau the the cabinet legislative bureau reversing its decades-old policy of declaring collective security unconstitutional because of this the head of it was changed Mm -hmm. then pushing through the security legislation after a year of deliberation and a year of protests in front of the the diet in front of the Conte, all of this okay has happened and that put the revision commission on hold, the opposition said, "You guys have just been absolutely trashing the constitution, and now they have the ability to, to actually make changes to the constitution in a constitutional way, not do the the runaround." Mm-hmm. And damn it, they have s- said we're not going to anything really radical.
0: Well, doesn't that tell you though that they're just keeping their powder dry? I mean, this isn't going to go away, but in this diet session we have another 30 days or so left in this diet session. They have other things they want to discuss. I guess they figured it's not worth the fight right now and we have bigger things to cook. But if they indeed go through
1: with this plan to have a dissolution of the diet in January, right. which means we're only a few weeks away from a brand new diet, they could, in theory, it's not very likely that the ruling coalition could lose its two thirds majority sure in the That's House right. of Reps right. because the wind is blowing in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And if anything comes out of the December Putin meeting on the 15th of December that doesn't l- smell like a bed of roses, the Japanese public could turn against sure. Abe and they could lose that two-thirds majority in the House of Reps, and if they lose that, then there goes the whole plan that they've been working on for over 50 years.
0: I don't think that, I mean it's possible, I don't think it's likely. I think the Prime Minister has schemed this out, he's already analyzed what is possible, what's not possible, and he's he's holding back. He hasn't really released the Kraken. Okay, we'll discuss
1: about Krakens <laughs> and under sea monsters maybe a, a, at another time, but from what it looked like this week, it looked well, it was front page news mm-hmm. that th- I mean it's on the front page this morning of my of my newspaper, my paper newspaper that I still receive in my mailbox. Top news, LDP freezes conversation on its own draft, right? That's a real walk back. It's a violation of the concept that you put forth, a program, a, a manifesto, and you are committed to it. And this lack of commitment, especially on a foundational issue for the LDP, mm. that's, it just gets my, in my crawl.
0: An issue that gets our juices going, obviously. This is an issue you need to watch because it tells a lot about what the Prime Minister is thinking and what's coming very quickly down the path. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Karoshi is a word that's traveled all over the world like sushi, a Japanese word that represents death by overwork. We touched on this just last week. I don't think we gave it a really full hearing, and I'd like to revisit this issue. Dr. Nancy Snow, thank you for joining us again.
2: Thank you, Tim.
0: You're apparently not being killed by overwork.
2: No, I'm not, and uh, and yet I, I sit here in Japan, and I've been fascinated by the value, which is working hard. Mm-hmm. And and karoshi is something, of course, more extreme. But when I asked my Japanese instructor several years ago to give me the highest value, Japanese value, he said isogashi. I've Mm -hmm. said this before and I've written about this. Keeping busy. So some people view being at work uh, these long hours as also being engaged, being valued in a company or institution. What do you do, though, when clearly things are not going well. You're not getting sleep. You're in this sort of endless cycle. Who do you turn to? Are mm-hmm. companies really set up to accommodate a person's need to have some time off? And the government is pushing that with these holidays, but the sure. holidays are a little odd in that some of them come in the middle of the week. They just strike me as a bit bizarre. You should Forced have a three-day right. weekend. But
1: the, it's also the fact that that the Karoshi issue is also coming up because the people who are dying are at least in the lawsuits that are being uh, talked about in them in the news they're younger and younger people mm-hmm. and, and and a significant number of them are suicides right uh, and this expansion of the concept of dying of overwork it's not 55 year olds keeling over from heart attacks sure. the expansion of this term and the way that the the labor uh advisory boards and also the local level on the on the national level have you know gone along with this that i mean you may talk about japan branding and being busy and how that there is a culture of work but there's been pushback from the government saying you know this is this is wrong you right. know that that people are dying of work is in nobody's interest so They're giving awards for families, the survivors, Mm -hmm. the surviving families, to say, you know, this was wrong. And since we last talked about Karoshi, they did bust in. The government busted into Mm Dense and picked up a whole bunch of evidence, looking at its employment Mm -hmm. policies, which is amazing because if you think of Dense's power, right as the major PR company, the large, world's largest advertising company, that they're in image
0: manufacturing. Right. And yet... They lost that one, didn't they? They lost it to the government. Right. But they're well known as a sweat factory, too. I mean, people know that if your child... graduates from a number one university and is lucky enough to be hired by Dentsu that they're going to be working their tails off for years and years. And the the thing is, is the government doesn't
1: accept that anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's important, I think. And
2: it's not just Dentsu. Isn't it a lot of these top companies? So wouldn't it have to take a top company? Sure. Like a Mitsubishi is also a major employer. That's one Mm -hmm. where a lot of young people want to work. And they should uh, say, we're going to set a new standard here. And, and really, I think, too, it does go back to culture and the work culture and that there is such pressure to be physically in place. Even if you aren't doing uh, efficient work, you, you just have to be there, mm-hmm. I guess, because maybe something will come up. It's sort of like crisis mode. But in the United States, 20 some years ago, even when I worked for the government, you could be away from the office as long as you had your deliverables. Or when I worked at UCLA, my boss, when he hired me, said, I don't care if you go to the beach with your laptop, Mm -hmm. I need this report on a certain day, but where you do it is up to you. So lack of supervision, but you have to be Mm self-directed. And here in this hierarchical society, it's so much of sort of having people kind of check each other's Uh, workout and having that top to bottom supervisory mm -hmm. atmosphere. And that adds to the pressure. I'm not sure with this new generation, really, if they're ready for that. And that's why that leads into maybe the wish to Not spend the rest of your life at the company. Mm -hmm. I talk to a lot of young people, and they they don't have any plans to do this cradle to grave. They don't think the company has the plan, and they certainly don't have the plan because they don't want to be dying on the job or just feeling so much pressure on the job. But
0: when you get... But once you get on the gravy train, it's kind of hard to jump off. But in this case, the, the, the case that really came out this week was...
1: The is, Filipino. The, yes. First of all, it's a foreign mm. uh, individual. It's the second time that a person participating in the government-sponsored program for technical training uh, has died. And the, the death was ruled... In favor of the surviving family, saying yes, this was a death by overwork. There, it's not. It, this is the thing is about the trainees mm. is they're not on a career track. They don't have to do these things unless they're ordered to. The problem is is that these small companies that take advantage of the technical cheap, training right. uh, program, which brings in cheap foreign labor and pays them basically slave wages, and then sends them away after three years. That program is small companies take advantage of it, and they have, the, the government has come down. Like a hammer on them, the the number of, of citations for violating the rules in terms of paying them properly, in terms of letting them sleep, mm-hmm. they've it's exploded. Two years ago, it was about seven hundred violations. Last year it was three thousand nine hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are really cracking down, and that's and that's something that you know you may talk about culture. Mm-hmm. You may talk about the fact that we have a conservative government. Nevertheless, the Abe administration has come down really, really hard on the abuses both in the major corporate sector Mm -hmm. and in this trainee program in a way that's really impressive, I think. Okay,
2: so they get a citation and then what though? Is it just seen as a cost of doing business or is this going to percolate into a real image problem for Japan because mm -hmm. that push toward bringing in these temporary foreign workers will continue And Japan may be a place where you want to avoid if you're hearing about people coming here and not being able to really Make it in the small companies. Or being worked to death.
0: But the thing that really burns me up is that the people who are damaged the families of the person who has died Have to convince the company that yes It was because of your abuse of my son or my daughter that that You know made them take their life and the second thing is that This is only the tip of the iceberg in my view. That there are so many suicides even in, in at universities that um, are caused by this situation, and most of them are not ruled death by overwork or death because of the social structure that's in your, in the workplace
2: you know though they're litigants I mean the families it should take some time shouldn't it I'm not representing a particular company, but who else is going to bring that to the fore? Mm-hmm. If not for these families, but they—the burden of proof is really on them, though, isn't it? Yes, but what a daunting task!
0: What a daunting task! But the thing
1: is, is that in the case of the Dentsu suicide, which happened in December of last year, when you compare it to the glacial pace of normal lawsuits in Japan, Mm -hmm. uh, that can take years and years, there is—I have to—I'm going to keep saying there is a proactive atmosphere that has suddenly emerged in Japan. Mm -hmm. So that this branding issue, one of the journalists love to talk about death by overwork because it fits in with their ideological vision of what Japan is like. It's not so, things are on the move, there is change. Mm -hmm. And we we have to, to say that with these rulings, these recent rulings, having to do with the Densa case, the Filipino worker case, things are changing and they're changing for the better right well
2: and it does it relate back to family planning and getting people to want to be more open to marriage and starting a family do you think that's the motivation in part you want people to have some time off to do other activities right
0: you know the thing that strikes me about this is that this isn't this is we're doing this to ourselves. It's the people inside the company. It's not because of company regulations. They have regulations on how, how long you're supposed to work. You punch in, you punch out. But it's the managers that are doing it to their subordinates. And it's their subordinates doing it to the lower the lower levels too. I mean, it's just a part of how I'm going to be successful, how I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I put in lots of time. I show everybody how, how much I'm sweating from the brow, doing it for you guys. But it's not
1: just corporate. I, I, I have to interject and say it's not just the corporate image. It's not this warrior samurai businessman thing. It has to do with, with part-timers as well. Mm-hmm. The, the, the trick that the restaurants have been pulling of making people managers so that the,
0: they don't qualify, they for, don't qualify the overtime.
1: for overtime. Right. That That vicious tactic mm-hmm. of suddenly putting on them Hundreds of hour, extra hours of unpaid overtime because they're managerial class. Right. That kind of, of really abusive behavior is finally being shown, and they talk about black companies, about companies you cannot work for, and there are lists don't work for these people. Mm-hmm. That is coming out and it's it it's a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing, I think.
0: One of one of the issues we we're trying to meld into this this topic was productivity and and increasing productivity. And one of the observations that most foreigners make when they come to Japan to work inside a company is that people really work long, but I don't know if they're really very productive.
2: Mm, Right. Well, I guess not.
0: (laughs) Be a little bit more productive here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, Michael, you sort of act like we're not in support of of all of this coming to light. Of course we are, and we should see more of that. And I would give uh, credit to the Abe administration for this. What I'm trying to understand is why now, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm trying to link it to other social issues. Is it because they want people to step back from the workplace and go out and date and couple and get married and yes, have children?
0: Mm, I don't know about that. Well, it, it, I think it's that's too far. Well, then thinking. what is
2: their motivation?
0: No,
1: the motivation is one that it looks bad. and It does look bad. It does. Well, then it
2: is a branding issue. It is
1: a branding issue, and it, it does look bad. And, and, and certainly, the, the, there, you also have to possibly guess that there is actually social change going on and that these issues that were previously under uh, the rug are, are now coming out. It is, of course, also having to do with feminization. Mm-hmm. I agree mm-hmm. it, that if you're going to have women in the workforce... And in the case of the dense suicide, it was a young woman, a high-ranking Tokyo university graduate, who took her own life just because she was being she, she couldn't get herself out of this, this basically hamster wheel that she had right. gotten herself on and lo- simply lost, lost all sense of proportion.
0: And it's not like nobody was watching.
1: and so nobody' was watching. They were, she was living in the, in the company dormitory, so that they, they had a supervisory role at least in some way and certainly she was in constant contact with many levels of her company, mm-hmm. not just her boss in some isolated office. No, she was living in an environment. That that environment is not acceptable is the social change that we, that is happening and yes, it has to do with women entering the
2: workforce. Right. And not only that, it's like I've said before, it's these young women who are going abroad and seeing a different reality. It is women who have been historically maybe more dispensable in the workplace. They're finding out that you can have a life and a work balance Mm -hmm. in other places. And so when they return to Japan, if that is not possible at a Japanese company, for these professional women, a lot of them whom I meet, they... They're going to look elsewhere. They'll either join the international company or they'll leave. And I think the the government has great concern about that. They mm-hmm. want these women to stay.
1: And that's the same case in the case of the, the Filipino worker. It's about we need you. Yes. And if we're, the way we're going to show that is when you are abused, we will be your, your, your tribunes. We will be your advocates. Mm-hmm. So
2: what are the whistleblower laws here in Japan? What are they like? Because that comes up a lot in the U.S., but we are notorious for our litigious society. So how does it compare? Do you do you get punished if you're the whistleblower or you have the kind of what we call the giraffe syndrome where mm-hmm. you're kind of sticking out your neck on the job and saying, we won't tolerate this anymore. Is there a way to protect those people so that you can have more come forward? Mm-hmm. Why was that woman feeling so all alone on Christmas Day that she would take her life. Mm -hmm.
0: I think one of the scariest things that a Japanese can feel is being ostracized from their group or from their social network. And I think most people, even if they feel uh, a burning need and and a conviction to say something, they don't because they just don't want to be potentially ostracized from the group and you're the whistleblower, you need to go out, and then what happens to their, their network and, and their livelihood?
2: Well, it's interesting in this case that it's the government, though, in a sense, that's being the whistleblower. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that's a little yes, bit with the, ironic. With, with
0: the Filipino who, who died, it was the government who said, you should file a claim. You mm-hmm. you should pursue this because it looks like your son was killed by overwork. You're, you're, in this case,
1: it was, it was the wife that, and, and, and child, the surviving family back in the Philippines. And... Yes, there was encouragement. You, mm-hmm. you know, this this thing happened to you,
0: and you deserve. It's a great thing to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Social issues under change. You rarely see it, but when you do, it really is important. It projects lots of things that you can follow throughout society. Please stay tuned. Social change in Japan. It's happening now.